Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast. The Xamarin Podcast enables you, as a Xamarin developer, to keep up with the latest and greatest in Xamarin development, all right here on the official Xamarin Podcast. I'm your host, Pierce Bogan, and on today's show, we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite subject, Xamarin Forms. So Xamarin Forms 234 was released to Stable on Wednesday, so that's Wednesday, April 5th. And so today we are joined by longtime Xamarin developer, former podcast guest, and PM for Xamarin Forms at Microsoft, David Ortnow. David, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And so for those who haven't already met you or haven't seen you on the forums or haven't seen you online, because you've been around, uh, if you're on the forums or if you're reading our blog, you've seen David around. But if you haven't met David, uh, do you want to give an introduction just briefly to yourself, introduce yourself to the Xamarin podcast community for those who don't already know you? Absolutely. And I hope everybody has uh, seen me and I've had an opportunity to talk to a lot of people. Um because that's part of part of what I want to do is be out there and be visible and, and help get the answers to people that uh, have questions, uh, as well as let the team kind of know what the community and what our customers are doing with Xamarin Forms to help kind of guide and direct and uh, make sure we're focusing on the right stuff. So uh, I've been doing software development for over 20 years, uh, a lot of web, and then of course, uh, more of late, a lot of mobile. And I've been doing Xamarin development since it was called MonoTouch and uh, Mono for Android, I guess is what it was originally called. Um, and then, of course, when I uh, converted to Xamarin, uh, I went in whole hog and uh, have been doing it for customers, big and small, um, for, for years and years, uh, mostly running my own companies over the past 10 years, uh, doing uh, services for those customers. But uh, super excited to be part of Microsoft and especially Xamarin um, starting uh, in January uh, is kind of when I came on board. And uh, hopefully uh, everybody uh, is liking the job I'm doing uh, because really I'm, I'm mostly about helping developers and helping the community be successful with what they're doing. And, and I think Xamarin Forms is obviously a fantastic product and, and I hope that it's serving everybody well. But at the end of the day, I'm all about supporting developers and, and making sure their experiences are as good as they can be. Right, for sure. And I think a lot of people don't really understand because it's kind of an ambiguous title what exactly a PM does, especially at Microsoft, because from organization to organization, it differs so widely. So what exactly uh, does a day look like for you as a Xamarin Forms PM? Mm, that's great. Well, I usually try to start off my day uh, checking in on the forums um, and seeing what questions might have come in overnight or, or early in the morning, uh, because we really have a global community, right? And you know, so sometimes it's hard to be on there all the time. Um, but that is where we get a lot of uh, interaction with uh, users of, of Xamarin Forms, community, customers. Um, so I, I try to check that out, see what's going on on Twitter, make sure uh, people are being responded to. Um, but then uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of embedded with the engineering team. Uh, so that means that I'm, I'm in all the calls, or at least most of the calls, making sure that I know what they're working on. And of course, bringing feedback from the community and, uh, and direction uh, from, a, from a PM standpoint in terms of where we want to see things go and, and what focus we want to have. Um, so, so it's a lot of bringing information into the team. But then as I'm monitoring or, or you know, talking to the team about what we're doing, um, then I can answer questions when the community has them as to... Uh, what features are on deck, or where's this release? Uh, when's the next stable release? Uh, when's when's that Android performance feature coming out? Um, then I can have the best answers for those sorts of things. So it's a lot of uh, it. Definitely is a lot of meetings. Uh, which, as somebody who's you know for twenty years been a software developer, that's not the first thing that you look for in your day. But I think uh, in this case, it makes a ton of sense 
because it's a it's a very communication heavy uh, thing. And yeah, so that kind of that, that's my day mostly. Nice. Um, so I wanted to dive into Xamarin Forms two three four. So Xamarin Forms two three four has been in the works for a pretty long time, correct? Yeah, I mean, I was just looking back because uh, with with the release notes that we put out and everything, I wanted, wanted to go back through and, and see what all we had done. And it's a huge release. And it goes back four, maybe even five months to, to some of the earliest PRs and, and Bugzilla uh, issues that were resolved. Um, so it's it's certainly been a long time coming. Um, I think in uh, December, 1st of January, Pre-1 wa- was first out. And we started getting the feedback on that. Um, and then been pushing hard ever since to make sure we get all the regressions fixed and, and get it as stable as we possibly can. Um, and of course, promote any, any hot fixes that, that came up during that lag, lag of time, basically. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been something that's been in the works for a long time. Yeah. And I mean, you can tell if you go and look at the release notes. So just so you know, whenever we have a release at Xamarin, just for anything really, whether it's IDE, whether it's iOS or Android, whether it's forms, you can go to releases.xamarin.com. And that will just be, add that to your RSS feed. It's going to post every single release we do, no matter how small or how big. And from there, you can generally see what's in a release. So you can go to there, you can look, you'll see the Xamarin Forms post from this week. Click on that puppy and you'll see a whole bunch of stuff there. And I mean, it's evident that the team worked really, really hard on uh, performance and quality with 234. Yeah. Uh, because I believe there's over 200 bug fixes in this. <laughs> yeah, close to 200. Um, and yeah, and we try to link to the PRs and the, the Bugzilla tickets, and the team does that. And I think that's important so you can kind of see where things began or, or, or you know, you can reference them directly, um, which I think is very useful, not just to scan the the uh, release notes. But yeah, I mean, there's close to 200 uh, at least. And, uh, and I think that, you know, there's probably about 50 or so and maybe even more. Uh, community contributions that are included in that's those great. in those pull requests, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And that's the open source uh, community aspect of this uh, Xamarin Forms stuff has uh, been really fun for me to be a part of and to see how how, how we're progressing. And it's something that we're iterating on and, and we're trying to improve, uh, especially with things like the Evolution Forum and proposals and things like that. Always looking for ways to, to improve and make make these things better, um, but that's been a really cool aspect to see those contributions come through, to see the pull requests get approved, and uh, and hopefully quicker and quicker as we go. Um, it's been awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. And in addition to those bug fixes, um, there's also been some performance hans- enhancements for Android, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and Android performance has been and will continue to be a big focus and a priority for us. Um, so in 2.3.4, uh, most of that has gone towards the startup improvements. And so what we're saying is when your app cold starts or second starts, all the stuff that needs to happen before that first screen or, or in, in, on the way for that first screen coming up. Um, so uh, we took a real hard look and put that under the mic- microscope and said, you know, what's going on here? And is there anywhere that we can trim uh, or uh, maybe not load that stuff right now and we can do it on demand later? Um, anywhere that we could do that where it made sense, um, or maybe we had some legacy code and we're like, you know what, this isn't being used. We're going to move it out of the way. We did that. So depending on your app and, and the architecture of your app and the things that you're doing at startup, you, you may see some big benefits here. And we did hear some, some early feedback from customers saying, yeah, wow, the, the, the startup is much faster for us. And we heard others say, I, I can't really tell. Um, so it's going to depend on what you're doing. So some of those things might be like, um, are you doing custom font loading? Uh, 
Um, we, we now do that on demand as opposed to front loading any of that stuff. Um, so, and check the release notes, look at the, look at the details about what we've done. Um, and, and also the blog where we detail some of that stuff and, uh, you, your mileage may vary, but, uh, that's, that's another area we're going to continue to improve on. Um, and two, three, five, as soon as we release in pre's for that, um, yeah. So, so this release certainly has some of that, but it's not the full story and more to come. That's awesome. Yeah. I think if you go in and look at the roadmap uh, on forms.xamarin.com for Xamarin forms, you can see that performance is definitely something that's really important to the team because I think like the feature development is broken up into quarters and within each quarter, there's at least two or three performance items for each release. So that's pretty awesome to see. Yeah. And, and hopefully the, the, the roadmap is, um, giving everybody kind of an expectation of where we're going with things. I was, I was happy to see as I was reviewing two, three, four, and also comparing it against the, uh, the roadmap that I've been updating, um, as often as I can, usually once a month, but uh, certainly quarterly now, which seems to be a fair cadence for kind of setting those expectations. Um, I, I was happy to see that everything that we said we were going to do in this release, we pretty much have in there. Um, right. And so I think that that sets a good precedence for 2.4, if that's the actual version number that uh, the, the next release ends up being. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the Q2, uh, second quarter target. Um, I think that sets a good expectation that those are the things that we are working on. And I can tell you that those are the things we have been working on, such, things such as layout compression and fast renderers and, and uh, group rendering. Um, which should bring some nice performance boosts as well. And early early uh, feedback on that stuff from tests that we've been doing benchmarking shows that those are making some improvements, meaningful improvements. Um, so, you know, it sets a good expectation on the roadmap that those things that we are outlining, uh, that truly is what we're working on. Um, and you can, you know, set some expectation that those are the things that are going to be delivered in that time frame. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be all the way at the end of Q2. We're going to hopefully be on a nice fast cadence because 234 was, was substantial as we've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that and my expectation and what I'm driving for is to, to be releasing more often so that we don't have such a bubble of fixes, uh, to get out so we can be pushing these things out more readily and uh, that's going to go for these these performance boosts as well. Um, so hopefully we're not waiting till the end of Q2. Um, that's what we're shooting for, and that's what we're pushing for. And, and the roadmap kind of sets that expectation. Um, it's you know I wish I could say it was a promise of everything that's going to absolutely happen. Uh, what it really is is its visibility as to what we're expecting to be doing and what we are focusing on. Right. And then in 2.3.4, we had a few other things as well. So XAML C, which I think was introduced in 2.3.0 or some timeline like that. Um, so XAML C, if you don't know what it is, basically it takes that XAML, compiles it down. It brings a number of benefits. Uh, it's going to make your app size slightly smaller depending on how many uh, XAML files you have. Most notably, it's gonna you're going to see improved runtime performance and you're going to get that compile time error checking, which I think is the biggest thing with XAML because a lot of times, you know, you'll type something out and... Uh, and you'll compile it, and then you'll realize that something's gone horribly wrong, but you don't know what's gone wrong. Maybe it doesn't throw an exception. Maybe it fell silently, and that's always a little bit frustrating. Um, so even if you're not actually you know, going to be using XAML C for some reason, um, at least using it during the development phase is really useful. And in 2.3.4, we have some enhancements to the scope of what XAML C covers, correct? That's absolutely right. Yeah, so um, some things like attached properties. 
uh, now get covered with compilation. So, um, yeah, now that uh, we're expanding everything that XAML C compiles, um, we're definitely going to expect to see a little performance boost from that as well. Um, in, in terms of uh, why you would use XAML C, I think you're absolutely right from a development standpoint, getting that compile time checking so that you know before you're running in the emulator or yeah. the device uh, how you're looking is certainly the biggest benefit. I don't know that I would say choose it to make your app smaller because it's almost no, a wash, right? I don't think that's right? like the most important feature of XAML C. Yeah, it's not. It's probably and some people third. may not even see it smaller. Some people may see their apps grow a little bit because you're, okay. you're kind of, you're kind of, it's a trade-off. You're getting some IL, IL added in there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I try not to push that as, as a benefit, but you certainly should see some performance benefit. Now, uh, coming to 234, because more XAML has been added to what's, what's being compiled, um, you may start to see some errors crop up that you didn't have before. Well, that's because now we're doing compile time checking on those things. And so it's going to be a little bit stricter. Um, so your, your code will only get better as uh, you, you read those messages and say, okay, I need to make some adjustments here if I'm going to be shipping with, with XAML C. Um, so your code will get better, your app will get more performant. Um, but I, I think that's a nice uh, step forward that we have there with XAML C. I, I don't think we're done there as well. I think there's more more to be done there, um, but we're we're getting really close to having all of XAML covered uh, with the compiler. For sure. And then also in 234, uh, two other features I'm excited about, the bindable picker, which I've needed for forever because I think like every single application needs a picker pretty much. <laughs> and generally, you know, if you're using XAML, you want to use MVVM, you want to use data binding. And in some cases that what's actually in that picker is dynamic and changes. Um, so the data binding is even more important in that case. And it's really, really good to see the picker control, which we've had for forever, finally get that bindable support. Yeah, I think uh, I think you are more excited about bindable picker than anybody I know. <laughs> oh, I'm all about that bindable picker life. Because yeah, when nice. I was building when I was building out moments like two years ago, um, which was my Snapchat coin I built out in forms, it was so frustrating trying to do the picker control to set like, you know, the time for the image to show. It was either going to be like I was trying to do two through 10 seconds and then I had to hard code it and then I had to like go in and get the index of the selected thing. It was just it was really ugly, really, really ugly code. And so although it's not like I I probably could have done it, you know, without the bindable aspect um, and I did do it without the bindable aspect. Having that, I'm going to have to go back and revisit that code and change that up because I mean, I know it's not like one of those features like, wow, bindable picker. Mm -hmm. We already had a picker, but now it's bindable. I think that is one of those things that it's like when I'm building every other control and I'm doing data binding and then yeah, you feel like you're going back to the dark ages a little bit when you can't use the data binding. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. I mean, it's it's because you combine to so much of everything else, all of our controls, right. you, when you hit one that doesn't have that yet, you're kind of like, well, man, come on, what's going on? Um, so I think this is a great example of where the community has been asking for it and uh, we were able to get it prioritized and on the list and you know, I don't think it amounted to really that much effort and that much work, um, but certainly is very nice to have it now. And I remember I you were speaking about community contributions. Looking back, I remember that the bindable picker, the initial implementation for that was actually written by a community member. So that's wow. pretty cool to see. So you're actually seeing not only like bug fixes and that sort of thing contributed by the community, but also in this case, like a feature. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give a little plug again for the evolution forum on that note, because mm -hmm. uh, we do have quite a few things that have been proposed and even some things that, you know, the team has basically said, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. And so they're up for grabs. 
uh, which means that if, if you feel like that's something that is in your wheelhouse and you want to implement, uh, go for it. And we can have some some pre-discussions as to how we think that needs to look. And, and a lot of the discussions on the evolution form, that's kind of where we want to head with them. What does this implementation need to look like um, right. so that it's something that you, your work is accepted more readily uh, into the core code base? Um, but yeah, if you see something of interest to you, uh, take it. Say, hey, I'm willing to implement this. And if the team gives it the green light, let's let's go for it. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, another cool feature which would have also been useful when I was building moments, um, was the idiom support for desktop. So you can now do like, if the idiom is desktop, then render my UI like this, or use this layout file, or do this on this platform and not on the other one, which is maybe not important when we first built forms, because at the time we didn't have support for UWP. When we first shipped forms, geez, back in 2014, May 2014, Xamarin 3, I remember Xamarin 3, it was May 28th, 2014. I remember the exact date because that was mm-hmm. a big release for us because that was the release we got the designer. Yes. That was when we interne- introduced forms and that was also I think when we introduced our Visual Studio extension. So that was a big release for us. Um, and so at the time we only had support in forms for iOS and Android. Last year sometime we added support for UWP. I think we had a preview in late 2015 but I think it went stable sometime last year. Um, and soon we're getting Mac OS. So I think uh, now the support for having, you know, being able to say, well, we already could do, am I on a phone? Am I on a tablet? And optimize our UI and our experience for that. But now we can also go, okay, well, am I on a desktop or am I on a mobile device? And I think that's that's really important, especially like as Forms kind of expands a little bit outside of the typical um, realms, which Forms has always existed, which is mobile. But now it's kind of heading to desktop as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, if, if you are running, uh, your UWP app on the desktop, then anytime you query that idiom, you're going to get desktop back. Whereas previously you would have gotten phone or tablet. Um, so, and, and as you pointed out, Mac OS, which we are looking to have a preview for fairly soon, um, is going to also have that same result. And, uh, I think there's been even some other discussions and those who follow on Twitter probably have seen some of those. Um, about uh, other platforms that would be desktop-based that uh, would benefit from this as well. So, yeah, it's important because desktop certainly has different UX and different requirements than tablets and, and phones do. Uh, you now have a mouse. You now have different events that you need to be aware of. You, you're you probably going to want to have some kind of a file menu or some, some different navigation paradigm. Um, so having that on Idiom becomes pretty foundational. Yeah, and I remember back, if you haven't, if I haven't already listened to the Xamarin podcast, go back and listen to another one with David we did on app design. But one of the concepts we talked about there was the idea that sometimes with forms, people end up making design decisions, whereas they try and build it, they try and build it like they want the UI experience to be the exact same on every single platform, uh, which I think is not ideal from a user experience perspective. And so having that control, like where you can be like, okay, we're on desktop, we're on mobile, we're on Android, we're on iOS and fine tuning that experience, even though you're using forms, you're sharing all the code. I think that is super powerful and super important for building good apps. Absolutely. Don't get me started, man. Yeah, it's (laughs) one of those things where uh, I I understand uh, being able to to have an app that looks the same across different platforms. I, I get that. Um, but what can really separate your apps apart from the competition is to take it to the next level and say, okay, well, how does this platform really expect it to look? 
um, so that it blends well with the native apps on that platform, that the culture, that the environment is the same. Um, and so, yeah, having having this kind of functionality and, and taking it to that next level is the way to do that and really plus up your app, essentially. Agreed 100%. I mean, I think the, the most frustrating for, thing for me isn't even necessarily the actual, um, the way it looks like a specific like content page, for example, often it's the navigation, which is what really irks me. Like if so, if the app is not using like standard navigation, uh, like you would expect on the platform, sometimes that gets a little tricky and you're like, yeah, this, this doesn't quite feel right. Exactly. Um, generally forms is pretty good about, you know, making sure like tab page, for example, is going to render up top for Android, like it should on bottom for iOS and use a pivot control on on Windows, so obviously, like Forms helps you out a little bit, but I think sometimes like having that extra control is super important. Absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, looking forward a little bit, um, we do have a few things in the works. Um, David mentioned the Evolution Forum, so the Evolution Forum is a pretty cool place. So we have proposals. You can propose pretty much anything. We have a nice little format. Um, and if you want to see something in Xamarin Forms uh, from tiny little API changes, so we've seen things like um, just add this property to this control, for example, all the way up to like much bigger things like support this as a backend or do something like that. So there's there's small and big proposals in there. So even if you have a very small idea and it's a very small tweak that you think would be, make Forms even better, then for sure just add it to the Evolution Forum. Our community contributes there. Uh, the team is active there. Uh, they go through and like, like David said, they go through all the proposals and um, if something's accepted, it's up for grabs. So anybody can implement it. So that's pretty cool as well. Um, that's a cool way if you want to contribute to Xamarin Forms to do that. Then we have the roadmap, right? Which David said he updates frequently and that is going to give you a pretty good idea of kind of at a high level what's coming in Xamarin Forms. And then we also have something new since last time I think we talked about Forms on the podcast which is the nightly builds. So do you want to explain a little bit about what the nightly builds are? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think it, uh, it kind of speaks for itself, but essentially <laughs> now, the, the interesting thing is, is right now it's not actually nightly. <laughs> it is daily. Um, daily. But, hey, we're a global community, so it's night somewhere, right? Exactly. But uh, yeah, essentially in our CI, uh, we're doing a build and that's uh, based off master and nightly builds are debug. So they're not release builds. Um, so if you're doing performance testing and benchmarking, know that um, it's 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 important to know as you're testing releases. Hey, is this a debug or a release? Because you can get very different results. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's built off of master, which means it's got everything. Now, when we do releases like a two three four and and a two three five, um, those are uh, customized off of master. And so you're not getting everything. You're not even getting the latest because we need to make sure that at, at the point that we branched and we tagged that, um, that we are curating that release. Um, but if you want to see the very latest of everything that's happening in master, um, then the nightly build. And so we have a, a blog post for that, which I believe, uh, you can easily link to in the notes. Um, and, uh, that'll tell you how to add that to your nougat sources. And uh, you can you can access that. So and, and something that I will mention about the nightlies, which has been really useful for us from a um, bug tracking standpoint, is when we get a new report, somebody says, "Hey, such and such isn't working on two, three, four, pre six, which was the last pre." Then we can kind of compare that against the nightly build and say, "Oh, okay, well, is it working in nightly? If it's working in nightly, then it may have been something that's already been fixed, and we can kind of cross reference that and see what's going on." So. What I would ask for for those who are filing reports, it might be handy to have that 
that there and kind of flip over to the nightly build and say, okay, well, this issue that I'm, that I'm fighting, uh, is it already been resolved? And that's a good way to track that. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things looking back that I was so frustrated we didn't have for the longest time was that essentially the only way, I mean, I could build from source, but that's not always the simplest thing. Um, forms is pretty straightforward to build, but at the same time you have, you know, you have iOS and you have Mac OS, backends now in master so i mean you have to you have to have the mac and you have to make sure everything compiles and yeah, it's not also, for everybody for sure yeah it's not for any everybody and so it was a little frustrating often because i would like we'd be in the forums and someone would be like hey i saw that you marked you know this bug is fixed um it's been a few weeks which is normal right it takes time to get you know things bug fixes verified and released and that sort of thing and packaged up with other releases um and people not necessarily that they want the fix right away in their application although it's always nice they just want to know that that fix that we're claiming is actually a fix is fixing their problem Mm -hmm. and so that was often very difficult because we would have to either just say hey go go build it from master good luck or we would have to like take the time to like actually build up the, the nuget package which is not a straightforward thing to do, even though it seems super easy. And so it's it's really nice to be able to go, oh, well, my bug was fixed. Um, and maybe they're linking to a PR or something in the in the bug report. And then I can go straight back over to master and I can see, okay, well, it's fixed in master. So I know in the next pre-release or the next uh, pre-release after that, uh, that it's probably going to be out. And so it's actually fixing my issue. So that's a, that's a cool thing as well. And I can always try out the latest stuff as well. So not even just bug fixes, like being able to try out things like, you know, Mac OS and things like that, that maybe would have been a little trickier before. Now with the nightly build, I can just literally add a NuGet package, which is pretty nice. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are, there are definitely still some feature branches out there. And, and Mac OS is actually one that's a good example. Fast renders for Android is another good example right now as of today. Uh, there are feature branches for those. So okay. those will not be in master. Um, so if you're looking for those, uh, those pieces of functionality, they may not, they may not be there. Um, but, uh, when we are ready to put those into master, we'll do, we do PRs for them just like everybody else has to. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they'll get folded in. Um, but that, that brings up another thing that we are currently working on, which is, uh, providing NuGet packages for those feature branches when we have something that we feel is ready for everybody to take a look at. And, and I can't emphasize enough just how useful it is for us to get feedback from people. I, I know it's time out of people's schedules, and when, when we've all got deadlines and things like that, it's hard to say, well, I'm going to go test this. Um, but we all benefit from it when when the community pitches in, and, and we're doing the same thing on our side. We're taking those builds, and we're validating them. We're running them through all the different apps that we have you know, on our machines, and we're saying, okay, are we getting the results we want? Are we hitting any obvious errors? Or maybe we're hitting errors that aren't obvious. Um, but So what we're doing is we're, t- we're going to take the, some of those features. Fast Renders is a good example. Mac OS is another good example. And we're going to host those on a, on a separate NuGet feed. Um, so that we can distribute those and get that feedback. So you don't have to go build those yourselves. Right. Just like with the nightly builds. Um, it won't be hosted on the same feed. We're going to have a separate feed for it to kind of make it clear that they're separate. Um, but I think that's going to hopefully uh, increase the ease with which we can get feedback from people. Um, and, and man, I, like I, I can't emphasize enough. It really helps us drive everything forward and validates that we're putting our effort in the right places. For sure. So you mentioned fast renders a few times. Um, so for those who don't know what fast renders are, who maybe aren't following along uh, in the roadmap or the evolution forum, do you want to explain a little bit of what fast renders are and what kind of benefit they could possibly provide? 
Absolutely. Um, and I, I think that the name is gr- both great and, and kind of like, why, why is that the name? <laughs> Shouldn't they have always been fast? Uh, so the situation begs a little history. Um, when, when Forms was first uh, uh, published uh, as kind of more of a prototyping, you know, Forms, a quick, rapid uh, framework or toolkit, um, the way that renderers were built were were wrapped essentially in a in a helper class, uh, which you know the engineers may now object to my use of that phrase, but uh, essentially it exposed a lot of the API that you would need. Um, but the the ending result for that, especially on Android, uh, where inflation costs are quite high for UI elements, uh, it resulted in two UI elements uh, in the tree for every one renderer. Um, because you had basically a group wrapping the control that you're actually asking for. And so, you know, when, when you have just a couple of controls, that isn't a huge hit. But when you have a fairly a substantial view hierarchy that you're trying to inflate, and you're trying to get that to perform uh, with animation or scrolling or whatever, uh, that's troublesome. Uh, anybody that's tried to make a performant UI, especially on Android, but it, you know, it's really for any platform, um, you know that the best performance is going to come from a very flat UI. So as, as little nesting of, of, of controls as possible and layouts as possible. Um, and reduce the number of UI elements. That is going to be your most performant uh, UI. So what we've done with fast renderers is we've gone back and refactored uh, the label, the button, and the image initially. Those were our first to kind of validate that this is really going to make an impact. And we uh, removed that wrapping element, and we did a little bit of cleanup and refactoring to make it easier to test. Um, and and so that's what's in our fast renderers branch right now. I did a little testing myself because I was eager to see how things were going. Um, and my initial tests, I, I took a stack layout and I filled it with oh, 20, 30, 100, I can't remember how many, but it was quite a few uh, labels. And I just timed it. I said, how long does this view take to, to stand up? Mm-hmm. And I was seeing uh, 40%, upwards of 50%, uh, or 200% improvement. Uh, I got dinged for how I was representing my, my statistics. But it was faster, um, which I was super pleased to see. Um, and then I also did a, a list view with, uh, I think I had an image and like three labels inside of a couple of stack layouts with uh, a grid layout controlling everything. And so it was a fairly uh, complex uh, cell renderer. And uh, I put 1,200 rows in that thing. And the, the initial uh, test wasn't huge uh, in terms of uh, performance boost just to do the initial layout. But where I really saw improvement was in scrolling. Um, I was able to rapidly scroll those 1,200 rows. And, uh, you know, there were certainly points where it started to chug a bit, but it recovered much faster with the, with the fast renderers than it did with standard renderers. So I think we'll continue to see those kinds of gains, and we're going to roll that out to the rest of the controls and then eventually to iOS. Um, and we need to do a little bit more API work on those to make sure that uh, – uh, you know, we, we haven't broken any functionality essentially because it's a fairly radical change uh, in terms of, of how the how the renderers work. Um, so, I mean, it, it sounds simple. We, we unwrap them, right? But um, like I said, that, that wrapping container exposed some different things that we now need to accommodate. So, very well, excited about it. It sounds uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very promising. Um, sounds very simple. Uh, the name is, is what it is. We're trying to make them faster. Great. All right. Well, uh, how can people uh, follow you, David? How can they follow what's going on in Forms? 
I think uh, Twitter is a fantastic way to do it. Um, I try to tweet out, you know, kind of what we're working on and what we're doing. Um, not just when we have releases and announcements, but I'll occasionally say, hey, man, we had a great meeting. You know, we were focusing on Android performance, et cetera, which usually begs, you know, deeper questions. And I'll answer certainly as much as I can. But uh, at David Ortnow on Twitter. Um, and then certainly get, get involved in the forums. Um, always up for good conversations there. And uh, direct message me in the forums is a great way to do it as well. Awesome. Well, this has been another edition of the Xamarin Podcast. I'm Pierce Bogan. And I'm David Ortnow. Thanks for listening.